everybody. Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. This episode 166. Another week of NFL football in the bag. We got the usual power rankings, MVP ladder. And uh, after that, kind of a closing argument for the baseball season. Yeah, uh, we weren't able to do our grades last week for the eight teams that were still in the playoffs when we originally did our grades because we did free agency predictions. So we're getting back to those, finishing off those eight, and bringing back our old segment that we did last year, Are They Dead? for The NFL teams as we are just over halfway through the season, approaching week 11 rapidly now. And that leads me right into our opener or my opener, and the best thing I saw this week was the Raiders taking down the Jets, Skyler. I know that was not one of your favorite things to see, but it was good to get a win on prime time, something that we haven't done in a long time, uh, something that we actually didn't do at all except for once under Josh McDaniels. So him being gone maybe changes our prime time curse as well. Not the prettiest game, and I know Skyler knows that as well too, but it was enough. Aiden O'Connell played decent. 153 yards, touchdown and a pick, 16 for 27. Wasn't anything crazy, but he got the job done against one of the best, if not the best defenses in all the league. So shout out to the Jets defense together. Jacobs was good. He did fumble, but he has had 116 yards, so I'm letting him do that. Devontae Adams had a solid game, 86 yards on six catches, so it's good to see him get going. Bobby Spillane, of course, the big pick, and then also a sack earlier in the game as well, too. Just a good all-around win. Things get a lot tougher, though, because we got the Dolphins and the Chiefs over these next two weeks. So we'll see how that goes. But as of right now, these last two weeks, we're looking at 2-0. Yeah, congratulations on that. Uh, it's no hard feelings. Uh, you know, someone had to win. Uh, I guess I'll give a, a Jets perspective on this game before we move on. Uh no offense at all. Can't score a touchdown for another week. Uh, this caused a players-only meeting to happen today. Um, you know, because the players are going to try to figure this shit out on their own. You know, offense versus defense. One of them's getting the job done, one's not. Uh, and then, of course, right after Joe Douglas cuts Michael Carter, who's one of the captains of the offense, uh, who wasn't playing well these past couple of weeks, Getting used as a third down back, not blocking very well. It's you're not going to last that long in the league. So sad to see him go. Um, and then obviously Rogers, uh, he's trying to come back even faster now. He said on the McAfee show, but of course, if he's not cleared and we're not winning, it doesn't matter. So we'll move on now. The best thing I saw was some football, not the Jets though. Uh, the Lions beat the Chargers at SoFi, 41 to 38. This game had everything except for defense. It's nice to see some high-scoring football, exciting games after watching a team that can't score a touchdown all year. So uh, that was the best game I saw. Yeah. It was like generally throughout the league that points have been down in general, but it definitely was good to see that Charger-Lions game and, and see some p- real points put up on the board. So what's that? Let's go ahead and move on to – where's your head at, though? Same three that we've been doing pretty much every single week of the NFL season, our AFC top five, NFC top five, and MVP top five. Started off with the AFC, and I'll say the question I say 
probably a thousand times on this podcast in the honorable mentions. There's a couple in the AFC here. Uh, Houston is playing well. CJ Stroud is, is great, of course. Um, they've beaten Jacksonville, but I just can't move above them yet. Uh, and then you got Pittsburgh with the offensive struggles. Cincinnati, don't really know what's going on with them. Um, just outside. Yeah, I decided to go with Houston at number five. I That's who I'm going to start my list off with, and I know you kept them out. But beating Cincinnati, beating Jacksonville, beating Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago, respectable win. CJ Stroud looks amazing. We'll get more into him once we get to the MVP talk, but they're five and four. They have 217 points on the year, so they're they're doing a good job on offense, putting up points consistently. Your defense isn't terrible. They're getting better as the year goes on. So I like Houston right now. I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. I know they're currently in the seventh spot, but Houston looks good right now. I'm going to ride the hot hand with them. Okay. Well, I'm going with Jacksonville at five, six and three. They're going to stay at the five spot, even though they got popped by San Francisco. Um, They got another game to make up for their Houston loss earlier this year, and and they just got a better roster than the others. They're probably going to host a playoff game. Um, That gives them an advantage to me. Number four for me is going to be where I put Miami. They didn't play last week. I had them at Five the week before they went up because of a Cincinnati loss, and, but they didn't play. Uh, they get a chain back this week. Obviously, we saw Ramsey come back last week, or a chain should come back. That's what Mike McDaniel was saying a couple weeks ago. He's gonna be just fine. I know they started the practice window for him. We'll see how that ends up turning out because they Bears kind of did the same thing with Khalil Herbert and they just didn't play so. We'll see how that goes, but I assume he's back, and Miami's at the four spot for me. All right, my four spot's going to the Cleveland Browns. Never thought I would say this. Going up four spots. The defense has kept them alive all year. Plus, they've actually been able to score points when Watson's healthy. So I guess that they're for real for now. So they're in the top five. My three spot is going to be where I put Baltimore after their tough loss last week. Still seven and three. You know, they still look good. They have a big Thursday night game against the Bengals and obviously 10 more divisional games in the future as well with how tough that division is. But Baltimore looks good. I'm okay at the loss. 7-3 and three still gets you the two spot in the AFC for now. Baltimore is my three here. Drop them down one spot. Um, they were so consistent leading up to the Cleveland game and they just kind of blew it here, handed over the 14 point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, I guess you could count this as their one hiccup that we've been giving all these teams. So I'm only going to drop them one spot. Um, they're, they're still at the top here of the AFC. My two spot is going to go to the Browns. I know they haven't played the most attractive football through their first nine games of the season. But if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson getting hurt, they'd probably be on a five-game win streak right now. And it's pretty hard to endure that defense. They had a big comeback victory against the Ravens this past weekend. They have a big game against the Steelers this week, who hopefully finally get exposed as frauds. And they have some little games later on in the schedule as well, too. So I like I like the Browns. I don't know if they can compete with Kansas City for you know that top top spot, but as far as the divisional spot goes, I, I like what they're doing right now, and I think they're they're going to find a way in the playoffs. 
All right, my two spot, I got Miami jumping up four spots here. I think the bye week helps them uh, with all the madness going on in the AFC this week. They haven't blown a giant lead yet. Uh, some of these other teams definitely have so far this year. Raiders and Jets coming up. If they struggle at all, then we got a serious problem. Then we don't really have a true two, three, and four order in the AFC. Uh, but for now, I'm I bumping them back up to where we had them originally. Let's hope that we get that serious problem because you know that means good stuff for us. Yes. Number one spot, though, Kansas City. They were on the bar last week, so they didn't move down. They got a win in Germany. Patrick Mahomes has never done that until now, so I guess he's an international winner. Probably one of the Mexico City as well, too, I think. But yeah. Kansas City's the number one. Yeah, yeah. Shut down Miami two weeks ago. Should do, uh, you know, something similar against Philly on Monday night. They're three-point favorites at home in the Super Bowl rematch, but uh, I think they're going to win this one. Yeah, I definitely will be enjoying that Monday night football matchup next week. On to the NFC. Any teams that did not make the top five that you want to talk about? Uh, We finally got one here in the NFC. I'm going to shout out Minnesota. You know, Josh Dobbs' magic isn't going to last forever, but they got five in a row. Justin Jefferson should be coming back. Six and four is not a bad spot to be in the NFC this year. Yeah. You're shouting them out. I'm giving them the five spot. It's Minnesota for me. They have a couple winnable games after this. Broncos and Bears could potentially be at eight and four, nine and four. We'll see how that goes for them. But I like Dobbs. He looks like somehow he was just not playing in the first four years of his career, but it's good to see him playing now. And it's really taking advantage of the opportunity. They're going to be getting Justin Jefferson back this week as well, too. So that was their final boost for me to say, yeah, yeah. they can get the five spot. All right. So I'm keeping Seattle here at the five spot, uh, not moving them down after the win, uh, even though they've been playing down to their opponents all year. They've scored around the same amount of points as Atlanta has. So that's a bit of an issue. Um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens next. With these guys. Number four, we're going to do our put the Cowboys, the ultimate front running team of the NFL right now. Probably going to do it these next two weeks as well, too, with favorable matchups against the Panthers and Commanders. They're going to win games. That's kind of how the Cowboys do it, but they're not going to win it when it matters. And we kind of already know that, and it's only November. Yeah, uh, they're at the four spot for me for similar reasons here. They beat the Giants like we thought they would pretty badly, but I'm going to trust them more than Seattle and Minnesota to beat a top-tier team. They're just better. That's it. It's definitely a clear top three teams, and I think we've had the same top three teams for the entire year, except for maybe the first two weeks or so with the Lions, but... Detroit's my number three spot. Getting at that. They're seven and two. This is the best they've been in a while. Uh, Record-wise or not, this team is really, really good. They play the Bears this week. They play the Packers the week after that. Saints and then Bears. The three divisional matchups in four games, all against teams that are not the greatest. I don't know what the record record season is for most wins in a season, but it could be coming forward this year. Yeah. Even the years where they were at the top, it was a 14-game season. So uh, Mm -hmm. there you go. Uh, I also got Detroit at the three spot here, staying the same. So that pretty much gives it away. My top three hasn't moved in about five weeks now, Uh, even though 
One of them has struggled, but we'll get to them in a minute here because Detroit survives against the Chargers. The offense is rolling, but they can't seem to ever have back-to-back great defensive games. Um, that's that's one thing to look out for. But they are rolling, like I said. They're better than Dallas. Number two is going to be up with the Niners. Fully healthy this week. They got Chase Young in the building, and it showed against the Jaguars. 34-3 to on the road in a rainy game in Florida. They look really, really good. The defense was amazing. The offense was just as good as it was in the first five weeks of the season. And then I was back. So, put them in the two spot. All right. Well, San Francisco, also number two, uh, Destroying Jacksonville, of course, is is great to see. Uh, and they don't give up very many points either. They're finally starting to get healthy. Um, I I believe in them. I don't think we should overreact to those last couple losses, some of those purdy interceptions. I think it's going to be okay. Number one, Eagles. We get one versus one this week on Monday night. That's going to be fun. Yeah, 6-0 and in the NFC. Uh, and... Tough one coming up at Arrowhead, obviously. But we know that they're going to stay at number one no matter what happens in this game. And something that's pretty cool to point out, too, both these teams are coming off a bye. So we are kind of in that Super Bowl-type scenario where you have you know, the extra week to prepare for your team. Obviously, you don't have the season ending right after it, but get that build-up to this game. And I think it's going to be a fun one that we're all looking forward for. Looking mm-hmm. forward to six nights from today. MVP top five scaler. It's always fun. Anybody in the sixth spot or the seventh spot that you want to talk about? Yeah, my sixth spot, CJ Stroud. I'm not quite ready to put him in that conversation just because it's not going to happen. It won't. It won't. He could win out the rest of the year and he won't win MVP because rookies don't win the MVP. Just what happens. But he's having an amazing start to the year. This makes some of the other quarterbacks of the past years who started off slow, you know, it, it makes it us not give them a, a real shot just because this kind of thing doesn't happen. And it, it's pretty crazy. So we got our eye on him, of course, but uh, he's not in the top five yet. Number five for me. I don't have any honorable mentions, uh, but the number five spot does go to the two-time Super Bowl champ, Patrick Mahomes. Had a bye last week, but still has 17 touchdowns, over 2,400 2, yards. Mahomes. I don't really think I need to say anything else besides that. <clears throat> well, uh, my five spots going to be McCaffrey. Um, pretty much everything similar as we've been talking about. When this guy's on the field, they win. Even though his touchdown streak ended, that's okay. Um, they they were moving the ball really easily with him and Debo Samuel back in the lineup. Number four, honorary defensive player TJ Watt is still the guy for me. Ten and a half sacks, six passes deflected, the interception, the force fumbles, the touchdowns. He does it all, and he does it at timely times. So TJ Watt, the head of the six and three Steelers, somehow is on Miami Field. All right. Well, uh, I got Tyreek Hill at the four spot again. Um, they didn't play, but. Obviously, this guy has been ridiculous. He's on pace for 2,000 yards. Um, he did as much as he could in Germany. That was their last game against Kansas City. Um, it's probably going to not happen, but he's still on my list. 
number three for me is going to be CJ Stroud, the rookie. I know you said it's not going to happen. But he throws to 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and four interceptions. It could, which would be really awesome to see. Obviously, that means he would have to hold this amazing first half that he's had and played in, into the second half when there's probably some tougher teams in there and obviously some, some defenses that are going to throw some different things at him. But CJ Stroud has been absolutely amazing so far in his first career nine games. It's it's crazy to think that going into this last year's draft, he kind of just felt like the guy that was just there. Like he, we knew he was a good prospect, but he had his struggles with pressure at Ohio State. We didn't really know what he would do in a spot where there would be struggle because you never saw it at Ohio State. He always had the top tier receivers. He always had a top tier line. He always had a top tier defense. So he never really had to do too much. In Houston, he's making guys like Noah Brown, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins become guys that you have to start in fantasy football. And I know Nico Collins was hurt this last week, and that's kind of what brought Noah Brown into the discussion. But if you're making your wide receivers that good, you have to be on my list. And CJ Stroud has done everything for nine All right. Uh, I got Lamar Jackson at the three spot, dropping down from one. Uh, He's had a really efficient season this year. I compared it to one of Steve Young's MVP seasons last week. But a horrible pick against Cleveland to lose the game. And, you know, these other guys don't do that stuff that are on the MVP list. I got to drop them down. Number two. B where I put CMC. Still leads the league in rushing by quite a large margin. Didn't score a touchdown? No. So, in the words of CMC, he sucks. But uh, he doesn't actually suck. He's still amazing. And he's still the top running back in the league right now. So, CMC at the number two spot. All right. Number two, I got my honorary defensive guy. But I think it is looking more and more like a legit shot if these quarterbacks keep struggling. Because T.J. Watt had another sack and another two-and-a-half quarterback hits and another low-scoring defensive win for Pittsburgh that has no offense. And they got it done against Green Bay um, until they prove me wrong, until they give up 38 points and lose and T.J. Watt struggling to beat a double team. I I have to keep him on this list. If he replicates what he does in the first half to the second half and the Steelers go – I don't know, somehow, you know, 12 and 5 or 13 and 4 for some reason. I don't know, TJ Watt has 20 sacks, five forced fumbles, a couple picks, four touchdowns on the year. Might be a spot we kind of have to give him, especially if we don't see, you know, any crazy second half by a quarterback. But my MVP through 10 weeks is going to be Tyreek Hill coming off the bye. I'm not going to say too much about him because I said all this stuff in the past few weeks. But he's been the best player on the best offense in football. I think that's usually what qualifies for the MVP. All right. Well, um, I got a new front runner for the first time this year, surprisingly. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, the knock has been he's played a couple of average games this year, but an average Patrick Mahomes game is uh is still elite. You know, 17 touchdowns, it's near the top. Eight picks is a lot, but they win. And second in QBR and passer rating. It's only Brock Purdy, who we know doesn't throw the ball down the field. So um, that's pretty good. You know, we talk about efficiency with these quarterbacks. Uh, he's quietly having a very efficient season for the style of quarterback he is. You know, and I think he's going to end up being uh, one of the top two this year. Again, 
does it. For our MVP top five, we're going to hop into baseball, do our MLB team grades, and then we'll go back to football and talk about which teams are dead through 10 weeks of the NFL season. But for our eight teams that we are doing for our team grades, we're going to start it off with the Dodgers, who went 162 before getting swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NLDS together. What was your team grade and biggest takeaway? I gave the Dodgers a B. They did some great things this season. 100 wins. They revitalized some of the veterans. They called up some pretty good prospects. But they were just too little, too late replacing the injured players this year. Um, you got to look forward to free agency. That's how it goes with these kind of teams because you're always going to be in play. They're you know, one of the top guys for Otani. I know that some of the smaller teams have gotten uh, some noise like Chicago, uh, and well, I guess Atlanta is not a small team, but it's just definitely a smaller market than LA. Um, so that, that's what you got free agency. They're always going to be building on what they did the previous season. Dodgers. Okay. I'll, I'll preface this the same way that I always do for team grades. I always grade based off of what my expectations were for the team that year. So if I expected them to do good and they fell short of expectations, they're going to get a bad grade. It's not based off of, you know, just general, grading so it's it's subjective to what i believe uh for the dodgers though every year that you do not win a world series with this team is a failed season and i know the ownership believes that i know dave roberts believes that i know the guys on the team believe that and so for that i give them a d i'm not going to give them an f because you know they won the division and all that stuff but uh you got what by an 84 win team, and I know that team went to the World Series, but you just you just got dog blocked by a team that was young, not supposed to be in the playoffs, and somehow made it in. And it's unacceptable for a team like the Dodgers to let that happen. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman went missing in those three games. I know as far as the general season outlook, their pitching wasn't really there the entire year, not having Walker Buehler because of. Tommy John and not having Julio Urias because he does questionable things. You can make up for those mistakes and you just didn't. So I give him a D. Mano, Pennant, Champs, I guess you could call them that. The Arizona Diamondbacks who went 84 and 78. Yeah, uh, I guess I had some low expectations for the Dodgers, so I didn't do them too bad there, but. The D-backs definitely surprised me. So they're getting an A+. You know, we've seen some teams accidentally kill the rebuild uh, with some lucky success. Um, but I don't think that's the case here. Uh, I think this young core is going to be around for a long time. They were talking about it on pregame show for every single World Series game. It's the all the 23s. Their best players are 23, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Arizona... Going into the year, right? I had them around 86, 87 wins. And I was very high on them. I said, hey, this is going to be a team I'm going to watch on MLB TV every single night. And they were pretty much found their way onto my TV or laptop every single night, regardless of who they were playing or who was on the mound. They won less games than I was expecting, but obviously overperforming the playoffs. I didn't think that they'd make the playoffs with 86 or 87 wins. They got them with 84. Swept the Brewers, swept the Dodgers, beat the Phillies in seven, and then obviously lost in the World Series. But they got their game, so I'll give them that. But it's an A+. How can it not be? 
They built a winning culture way earlier than they expected in their rebuild. Uh, unfortunately, it could be in a spot where it's lightning in a bottle and you're not going to get back to the World Series you know, for another however long it is. It might not even be within this you know, era of Diamondbacks baseball because of how good Atlanta is, how good the Dodgers are, how good you know a team will be in because of free agency if Shohei Otani lands in the NL this year, how good the Phillies are, how good the Padres could be. There's a lot of different factors in the NL, and the Diamondbacks not winning the World Series sucks for that. But they did a great job this year, and I got to give them an A+. Plus. Next up is the Braves. Winners of 104, the best record in the MLB this past year. The Braves are going to get a D from me. They dominated the regular season, but this is a team I expected to see in the World Series and a team I picked to win the World Series. But the bats fell asleep in Philly. Uh, at least everyone's locked up for a long time. They're going to be back, like you said. Um, but this was kind of a failure. I give the Braves a C minus. This was a year, like you said, they dominated the regular season. They had some pitching injuries with Freed and Morton and Strider and some parts of the year that were, you know, obviously questioned quite a bit if they can make a legitimate World Series run. And my biggest takeaway is how much better can this team get? If they are this good and they can't find a way to win a World Series, and I know they won in 2021, but that feels like such a different roster with with Noah Cunha and Swanson being there and Freddie Freeman being there. If you can win... In the Matt Olson era, the Michael Harris era. I'm sure yet. They got dog blocked by Philly and back to back seasons. Can I show him and just completely just say, fuck you, Kyle, we can do this? <laughs> and that would be kind of crazy. But I just don't see that happening there. It doesn't really seem like a great place for Shohei Otani to go in the city of Atlanta. Uh, but C-. Crazier things have happened. Wins. Yeah, and they can't get out of the NLDS. Next up, the Phillies. Phillies are going to get an A from me. They fought back after it looked like they were dead halfway through the year, you know, with the Trey Turner drama, the injuries, Bryce Harper moving to first base. Um, and they were one game away from the World Series. You always have a chance when Harper's up in October. And that's why I think they'll be back. I gave the Phillies an A minus. You know they're going to be big spenders in the offseason. They might have to prepare for the loss of Noah, but they could, you know, like I said last week, add Blake Snell and just be a okay in the pitching department. Probably going to need to add another outfielder, would be my guess. My biggest takeaway, though, is this team needs to find a way to perform a little bit better in the regular season to help themselves out once it comes to that. The playoffs, because winning 90 games with this roster is a very low regular season. you got to find a way to compete for the division a little bit more to help you get some rest because even though it helped them early in the playoffs, it can hurt you later in the playoffs and not having you know as many guys that you can go to in, in Game 7 of the NLCS, and we saw that against the Diamondbacks. So good season for Philly. I give them an A-. Once you're there and the Diamondbacks in the NLCS, you got to get to the World Series. Moving on to the AL teams, we'll start off with the World Series champions, the Texas Rangers. A plus, man, they got the job done. 
you know, these days it's nearly impossible to build a dynasty, but it's kind of a unique situation with the Rangers. It, it feels like this team can only get stronger. Uh, the mix of stars, prospects, and now free agency interest from pitchers, the weakness of the team, uh, this team could definitely be better, at least on paper, for next season. Yeah, the Rangers easily going to be an A-plus. I don't think there's any, you know, stoppage in that. My biggest takeaway, like you said, it's tough to become a dynasty in baseball just because of how easily the talent fluctuates, how easily slumps can happen and how quickly you can be out of the playoffs when you're in such a long season, you can lose two, three games and be done. And that happens over the span of, you know, 48 hours or however long it ends up being. So having a chance to make a dynasty is my thing because you got all these young guys, you got all these guys that are locked up and you got, you know, money to spend still. But also you have to win the division next year because you have Houston right where you want them. You have Seattle right where you want them. And you can't let it slip out of your hands like you did this past year. Obviously, they still won the World Series, but it's going to be easier if you just win the division and help yourself get a bye. Next up is Astros. I gave the Astros a B plus. It's kind of like Phillies West, in my opinion. It's hard to call the season a failure when you're a game away from the World Series, but they're starting to just come up a little short now. It's not the same Astros team. Um, I would imagine looking forward, some big trades coming to Houston. So they don't fall too far behind Texas because you know, they're right there. They have the same record. Um, I just am not rooting for it. That's the thing. Yeah. Houston is in a very weird spot right now. They, I don't think the crossroads houses this off season, but it could happen next year. It's going to be free agent. Even be a guy that is going to deserve $300 million from a team. And Houston has shown in the past that they are not afraid to let their guys walk. They locked up Bregman. They locked up Altuve. But they let Springer walk. They let Correa walk. Wouldn't it be shocked if Kyle Tucker kind of puts them out of their price range? They already locked up Jordan. So they got one of the two guys. And that's kind of how it's been. You know, you keep Altuve. You let Correa go. You keep Bregman. You let Springer go. And those Two guys have kind of matched up with each other. You kind of see that same parallel thing with Alvarez and Tucker. So I think Tucker probably leaves. I gave the Astros season a C. I don't know why I went all the way to the future right there, but a decent season for a team that battled a lot of injuries uh, and is, you know, didn't have all too good for the first two months of the season. So I didn't expect them to win 105 games or anything like that once we got there. But I, I did say it's going to be a lot harder to win the division and win the World Series in the future because you have Texas that just won the World Series. Looks to be increasingly better every single season, like you said. You have Seattle, who's still going to be a tough out regardless if they make the playoffs or not. And of course, you have the A's that you have to worry about. <laughs> no, uh, but it's going to be a lot harder for Houston. I will say that. And so I gave them a seat for the season. Next up, the only AL Central team that we're going to talk about here, the Minnesota Twins, who won the division and won a playoff series for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I, I gave Minnesota an A because I had them just missing out on the postseason, and they won a playoff series. That's pretty big. You know, looking forward, uh, 
GM's got to make some moves. Uh, if they're really contenders, man, you you cannot let anyone catch back up to you. That's a weak, weak division. You got new managers in there. There's not a lot of superstars. You got to take advantage of this, man. Don't just you're not the Astros. You can't let everybody walk and try to replace it in house. It's not going to work if you let Sonny Gray walk, and you got to play. You know, say like a guy like Austin Martin, right? Austin Martin, if he doesn't get put on the 40 man, he goes to the five rule draft. Rule five, excuse me. Um, and they got some some big roster moves to make here over the next year. Twins obviously played in the worst division in baseball this past year, and they won the division by quite a large margin with being a team that dealt with a ton of key injuries. Royce Lewis was out for part of the year. Byron Buxton wasn't playing for most of the year. He didn't play a single inning in the outfield. You had Correa missing time and also being hurt for part of the year. And you had all these other guys, young young dudes on your team that missed time, and you still found a way to get into the playoffs. You found a way to lock up a home series and win that home series against the Blue Jays. The only thing is you got to stay healthy. Because if you do with the trend line of every team in this division, I think every single team in this division, except for maybe the White Sox, is trending upwards. I think you, you saw the young guys with the Tigers play well late in their season. We saw Cleveland have a bad year, but we think that they're going to kind of bounce back with the guys that they have in their squad and some of the guys that should be coming up over this next year or so. In Kansas City, while I don't think they're ever going to contend for the division in the next three, four years, they have a couple studs, and they're going to be trending up. The Twins probably have a steeper trend up than any other team in this entire division, and they are already the best team in the division. So stay healthy. Keep Horace Lewis on the field. I don't care what you have to do with Byron Buxton, but make sure that motherfucker can have 400 at-bats at least. I don't awesome. care if he, you know, DHs every single game, but he needs to be in the lineup. That's something that needs to happen in order for the Twins to, you know, go farther in the playoffs and, and have a better regular season as well, too. Last team, Baltimore. I gave Baltimore an A-. minus. I'm all on board with what they're doing. I expected them to be pretty good. 100 wins is always a great benchmark for a young team. Um, but they got swept by Texas, and it was over very quickly, like you said, in a couple of hours there. But they're going to be pushing for 100 wins for the foreseeable future. And then there's Jackson Holiday. So you guys are going to be just fine. Yeah, and it's not just Jackson Holiday; It's Kobe Mayo. It's, it's all these other dudes that they have in the minors as well, too. I was pretty much set in stone in giving the Orioles an A-plus in this season. Until I saw them get swept. And, and it was a, a sweeping where it just wasn't. It just didn't feel like they had any momentum. It didn't feel like they were ever going to come back in any of the games. And so I gave them an A. I only took them down one. It still won 101 games when you didn't make the playoffs last year and didn't make the playoffs in a ton of years before that. My biggest takeaway was postseason disappointment doesn't directly mean it was a bad season. For some teams, it does. This team, it doesn't because they developed a ton of dudes. Like you said, Jackson Holiday's right on the cusp. All these other dudes are right on the cusp. You saw Grayson Rodriguez have a way better second half than what he did in the first half in partial AAA and, and the majors. Gunnar Henderson, who won the Rookie of the Year, really came alive like post-May, post-June. Because in the first you know, 60 to 80 games of the season, he was not doing good. 
Pat Lee was amazing. He, he's a leader of that team. Unfortunately, you're going to be out without Felix Bautista for a long time, probably the best closer in baseball. So you're going to have to find a way to make up for his loss. But you got to spend a little bit more money. Because if you do, you can, you can legitimately win a World Series in Baltimore. That's something yeah. that doesn't happen too often with them. And uh, one more thing, just to point out, manager of the year, Brandon Hyde. Yeah. Two in the BBWA awards is what I saw a tweet from oh, yeah. today. So there they go. Moving back to football now. One of our favorite segments from the past few years. Are they dead? We go over teams. And if they're dead. Yeah. Through the first 10 weeks of the NFL season. We'll start off with the teams with the worst record, and then from there we'll see if there's some teams that are dead maybe with better records. Uh, Carolina Panthers. They are sitting at one and eight. I think it's pretty easy to say this team is dead. I don't think even think we need much of a you know explanation for it. Nope. They're more focused on uh, making sure Bryce Young stays, you know, healthy. Next team that I have is that is going to be the New England Patriots, who do not look good on offense. Their defense doesn't look as good, and they just lost in Germany, and they have 141 points scored in the entire season. They're sitting at two and eight. Belichick leave. I'm not too sure that they are dead for me in the 2023 NFL season. Yeah, they're dead. Uh, you know, when you throw in Bailey Zappi to try to, you know switch some things up and he immediately throws a terrible pick. That's not a good sign. Uh, Bilicek might be gone. I don't know if he's going to anywhere else. Like uh, some of the rumors, like he's already picked his place and he's ready to leave next season. I don't know about all that, but this season they won't be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Next up, I do have the Arizona Cardinals on it. If Kyler came back in week four, maybe I would have put them on this list through 10 weeks. But when you start clicking two in a week, Josh Dobbs is working with the guys that he did for the first, you know, eight weeks of the season. And you're sitting at two and eight through first 10 games. It's, it's really tough to not be dead. I say they are. I think you're going to concur with that as well. I have Arizona on the list dead, but with an asterisk. Their playoff hopes are dead, unfortunately. It's too late in the season to try to make a push. But this is a team that's going to play spoiler for the rest of the year. Kyler Murray's a great player, and um, and those things tend to happen when you have a great quarterback. Good point. Next up, another NFC team. This team is very much dead. It's the New York Giants. They have 118 points through their first 10 games of the season. That is just over 10 per game. Maybe they have a 148-point differential. They spent Danny DeVito has period or Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito has period in the last three games at quarterback, but they might be better if Danny was playing because this team fucking sucks and they are not just dead. They're beyond dead. I don't even know what word I would use to describe them. They were found dead and they said the, this, this Giants team, when they found them, they knew they'd been dead for a long time. That's yeah. how bad they looked. Um, they're, on pace for Caleb Williams, they got the best odds to finish with that number one pick. They do take Caleb Williams because they're going to have to essentially still pay the quarterback room, what, $40 million a year at least because yes. Daniel Jones is there. Mm-hmm. So they just act as if Caleb Williams is under a big-time contract. 
Uh, you're going to find out when we do the mock draft right after this. Okay. A little uh, foreshadowing. <laughs> Next up, the team that I have is dead. I have four more, by the way, including this team. That is the Chicago Bears. They are three and seven. I know Justin Fields should be back. Khalil Herbert should be back next week. So they're getting healthy on offense. At this point, seven losses very early into the season. You're done. I I guess if they went out, they could probably find a way in. But they have some games on their schedule, like the Lions twice, like the Browns, like the Vikings, like the Arizona Cardinals which means that they're not going all those. And so the Bears are dead. The Bears are dead. They can't win six out of seven games to finish off the year. That's probably what it's going to take because they don't play in the South and play in the North, unfortunately. And uh, I'm interested to see how Justin Fields finishes the season. If he ever freaking does, he's been questionable for four weeks now, um, but they're dead. Next up. Three and six team in the AFC kind of just means you're dead, regardless of who you have over the rest of your season. But I'm saying that the Titans are dead in their first nine games. They have a game against the Jags this next week. They play the Dolphins later on in the season. They play the Texans twice, uh, Seahawks, and also the Jags another time. So two times against the Jags. I do not think that they win out or only have one loss over those eight games, which means that you're dead in the AFC because you're going to need at least 10. Yeah, the Titans are dead, man. It's a weird spot because I trust the defense. I trust the coaching. Uh, Will Levis has looked pretty good so far, um, but they're going to need some kind of rebuild through the offense these next couple of years. Just get this guy some help. Hopkins is not a real number one to take you to the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Go draft somebody. Yeah. Especially with the guys in this draft class. I am going to skip the team. I do not have the Rams as dead with how poverty the NFC is and Matthew Stafford coming back. I think there is a minuscule chance that they can make it together. What do you think? Uh, that's a fair take. I do have them on the list, though, as being dead. I I think even though Seattle's been questionable, you know, it's not going to happen. You know, I, I don't know if you've decided what you're going to do with that game yet, but I I still think Seattle's a much better team and that's probably going to kill them right there next week when they lose. Next up, I do have two more teams that are dead. The first of which is going to be the Green Bay Packers. They are sitting at three and six. They got a win over the Rams a couple of weeks ago, but that was Brett Ripon led and they have some tough games in the future with the Lions and the Chiefs and the Vikings, just to name a few. They need to win at least nine games to get in, at least, maybe ten at least. Most likely ten, I would say, but they're not doing that. Jordan Love, I don't believe in at all. I guess it's a good year to get some draft picks for the Packers. Yeah, I I have Green Bay being dead here. Uh, It's not that I don't think Jordan Love is, you know, the worst quarterback in the world. It's just not going to work over there. Uh, It's it's so weird, you know. It's it's kind of hard to accept. You've had this many years of Hall of Fame quarterback play that um, most teams don't ever see that. And Green Bay is going to have a rude awakening if they keep letting Jordan Love run this offense. One more team. I have dead. And even though this team has a very favorable schedule over the last seven games of the season, I'm saying that the Atlanta Falcons are dead. 
this offensive team is not good. The guys that they have, you know, besides a couple dudes on offense, are not good. How they use Bijan is absolutely terrible. And I know they finally got him the ball this past week, but they still lost. I don't see Atlanta making a run whatsoever. I give them 100% chance to not make the playoffs, which means that they are dead. So uh, my Atlanta takes have chilled down over the weeks, especially now that Taylor Heineke is the man in charge with the offense. Um, But I'm not going to kill him yet. Because they're only one game back of the Saints who have their own issues right now. Um, I don't think I would bet on any of those teams definitely to win out. So we'll keep them alive. Those are my eight that are dead. Skeller, do you have any other teams? Um, I'm going to honorably mention my team, the New York Jets, because if they lose to Buffalo and Miami, it's over. Rodgers won't be coming back. They'll be out of the race. Because their only hope right now after losing to the Chargers and the Raiders, most likely is division. They need to be Miami. Mm-hmm. That's the last hope, man. I, I am not very confident that they can keep up with their offense. I have a few teams on life support, so to speak. Go the Rams. I like them. But it's going to be really tough. So I just, I, I feel like a one or 2% chance, which, which is pretty much the definition of life support. Uh, the Broncos are on there. I know they have won their last three games, but they're definitely on life support. (laughs) It is really damn tough to come back from. And I don't think they do. Uh, and then unfortunately the jets, I like the jets, but you play in a tough division. You play in the AFC. It's really tough to, to win some of those games on the stretch, especially if Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back. So that's unfortunately on the list. Yeah. But those are my three that are, are within like the, you know, two to 3% of making playoffs. Well, all right. We heading to halftime? We're going to halftime. All right. Well, um, at work, I was bored. Um, after I was done, I got to watch like uh, the last minute and a half of uh, the Bills falling apart to Denver. And then I decided to make a mock draft. So 2.0 for the podcast. Let's run through the top 10 real quick. And then of course we got some notables. Your team is in an interesting spot. Um, So we'll get right into it. Uh, At the time it's Chicago with the number one pick dub bears. Um, I haven't taken Caleb Williams. Eberflus defense looks better. They might just have to do it. They might have to just take Caleb if they get number one. It's kind of too risky to trade back because a guy like Marvin Harrison might be going here, number two, to the Giants with the next pick. That wide receiver room is a disaster, and there's a world where Daniel Jones can come back from the injuries if they can get him some help. Marvin Harrison is one of a kind. Make that two of a kind since he's junior. Oh, mm-hmm. you like that? Yeah, of course. That's good. Number three, New England. Uh, it's a disaster. This pick all depends on if Belichick is still there. Um, either way, I haven't taken Drake May, quarterback from North Carolina. Um, if the Patriots are going to start a rebuild like they're expected to, it's going to be quarterback or left tackle. So we're going to take the quarterback here at number three. Number four, uh, Arizona. Interesting spot. I could see Brock Bowers, but I'm going to give him Kool-Aid McKinstry, corner from Alabama. If Kyler can keep, keep things afloat here, I could see Gannon and company going defense with the first pick here because Kool-Aid McKinstry is an elite prospect. Not that Bowers isn't, but Bowers plays tight end. This could be a team that goes tight end. We don't really need that. Trey McBride's been great. 
So that's Arizona. Uh, number five, Dub Bears. Once again, you got to protect your new uh, new toy there, Caleb Williams. Olu Fashanu, the left tackle from Penn State. He just kept Michigan in check last week. Got to protect that quarterback, man. Similar here in Green Bay with the next pick, Joe Alt. Massive dude, six foot eight out of Notre Dame. There's your future Joe Staley, the Bakhtiari replacement. It's much harder to find a good left tackle than other positions. So they're going to just go ahead and go back to back here. Uh, the next pick, the Rams, interesting spot, but I'm going to have them taking Leatu Latu, the edge rusher from UCLA. Um, neck injuries, that's a, a question, but the Rams could be one of those teams who will take the risk on the athletic freak, especially if Stafford is going to hang around like he says he will. Um, you can't really take a quarterback. There's not enough money. It's weird to see the, the Rams with the first-round pick. I think that's probably yeah. the weirdest part about all this stuff. It is weird. Um, I kind of foreshadowed this pick here. Number eight, the Tennessee Titans, Keon Coleman from Florida State. Coleman's been a monster. He's been almost as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. And like I said, D-Hop can't be a number one forever, man. Um, number nine here. Um, I hope this doesn't upset you, but I have the Broncos after the recent success with Russell Wilson. Going best player available. That's going to be Brock Bowers, tight end from Georgia. Nasty dude. It's probably the lowest uh, wind chairs. Yeah. <laughs> you could add. I don't know what the NFL set is. What do they call it? It's like EPA per play or something like that. Yeah. It's like they're plus minus pretty much. Yeah. Um, number 10, I got to. Uh, gotta... And he's going to come back to be amazing. But whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for him. Um, a fan favorite here at number 10. The Atlanta Falcons, uh, they're kind of in shambles at the quarterback position. So let's go with a big riser in Jaden Daniels out of LSU, man. You like it? Oh, of course yeah. I like it. I'm pro Jaden Daniels. You know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a monster. There were clips on my Twitter popping up of him, like, throwing an 85-yard pass to uh, Brandon Ayuk when he's a true freshman. It's like, if this guy has, you know, even just a little bit of this, this arm strength that we saw at Arizona State, Going to go in the first round. And a sneaky athlete out of nowhere. When he was playing at Arizona State, this guy did not like to run nearly as much. Now he – I saw his stats a couple weeks ago, and he was running for, you know, 180 yards. And then last week he ran for 230 or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He can run now, and that's pretty pretty insane. Number 13. Is where the Jets are right now. Um, I could see receiver; it's possible, but the the rumors of uh, a Mike Evans or even Devontae Adams trade uh, are they're going to try. They're going to try at least. So I haven't taken a right tackle. Taliese Fuaga, Oregon State monster on the right side starts immediately. You cannot let Aaron Rodgers get hurt again, or it's over. Everyone's getting fired, and then we got to restart all this bullshit all over again. So let's get some protection. Um, this is uh, what you came for, Kyle. Pick number 16, the Raiders. Mark Davis said, and again, I'm just going off of this this quote, okay? Things could change. Obviously, that's what happens in, in pro football. But Mark Davis says the Raiders need to be more exciting. We don't have to be ground and pound like we used to be. So they're going to grab a gunslinger that can sit for a year, the lefty Michael Penix Jr. Kyle is shell-shocked. Oh, that's been crazy. I uh, I think, man, there's so many quarterbacks this draft that can like actually be something. Yeah. 
feel like this is the first time in a while that I have looked at pretty much every single quarterback and been like, damn, they can play and they can, they can, they have a way where they can become a step besides JJ McCarthy and partially Bo Nix. I think a lot of these dudes can be very, very legit or they can be complete busts. I think he's going to be very level with Bo Nix. JJ McCarthy, you see very low, um, but Michael Penix is interesting. I think he can sling it kind of like CJ Stroud, where you haven't really seen him, you know, have too many struggles at Washington because he's had so many good guys and he's had so many good old linemen as well, too. That's it's a bit interesting to really know how good he is. Obviously, NFL teams know a little bit more than what I do, but remember Jaden Daniels around that pick will be something I'm cool with. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would have had him go into the Raiders if he was available. I just feel like uh, there's there's a couple teams in a similar way who uh, they're just going to lean towards the playmakers a little more than the actual needs of the team. You know, last week I had a corner. I could 100% see them just just taking the best corner available. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this situation, grab a gunslinger, man. Uh, Aiden O'Connell um, is, you know, is doing the best that we, you know, that we can hope for him in a yeah, situation more than what we expected from Aiden O'Connell Him being a starting quarterback in the league in year one is <laughs> kind of crazy. Exactly. All right. Uh, so a couple more notable guys who have been killing it in college, the Bengals at 18 are going to grab their T Higgins replacement after he leaves Emeka Abuka, Ohio state, pretty good player. Arizona misses out on the receivers in reality. They probably trade up, but uh, they sit still and get Jared verse, the big edge rusher from Florida state, Minnesota with the next pick. Get impatient and grab Bo Nix, even though he's probably a second, third round player, if we're being honest with everybody here. Um, Troy Flank, excuse me, Troy Franklin, the third receiver from Oregon, who I like a lot, elite route runner, Pittsburgh at 23. You know, I feel like Pittsburgh can afford to, to pick up a couple more vets for the secondary and just keep drafting offensive weapons because that's clearly the worst part of the team, man. Um, I had the Niners taking Kingsley Suamata, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's Hawaiian, so I probably fucked it up. But he's tackle from BYU, transfer from Oregon. I have a feeling San Francisco will look DB on day two. So they go massive 6-6 tackle here because, you know, Trent can't play forever. Uh, and, of course, uh, Johnny Wilson to the Chiefs. That's been the, the favorite thing I've thought of so far during this draft process at 31. Um, six foot seven with Mahomes. It's just hilarious, man. It's hilarious. Um, that's that's the mock draft, man. It's uh just try to switch things up, except for the Johnny Wilson pick, of course, because I know it makes you angry. Um, but it's fun, man. There's a lot of great players. We'll say it's interesting with the Chiefs where, like, there's been like four or five guys over these past, like, two, three years that Mahomes has gotten or, like, been about to get. And it was, you know, Justin Ross and Kadarius Tony, and it was Sky Moore and it was – uh you know, I didn't see EH and Pacheco yeah. and all these dudes. I guess Pacheco's turned out pretty well, but everything really panned out. Maybe one of these pans out in the next year or so, and I just eat all my words right there. But a lot of these dudes, you know, we say, oh, shit, like pair him with Mahomes. He could be like crazy good. Hope it just continues to not pan out. Regardless, they still won the fucking Super Bowl last year. So does it really matter? Probably not. And that's why I have them taking another one, because if they keep winning, it doesn't matter, dude. They're going to do whatever uh, Andy Reid and, and Mahomes ask for. So, yeah, that's that's basically it for NFL talk. 
today. So uh, just a, a quick week 12 college football preview. The main game for 1230. It's going to be number two, Georgia at, and again, they haven't done the rankings yet. They're doing them. I think at 630 on ESPN for some reason, Tennessee, Georgia's playing at Tennessee. They were ranked 13th. It was a bad loss to Mizzou. So they're probably going to be in the twenties. Um, Georgia has Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey back in the offense looks much better. But Tennessee has Joe Milton at quarterback, you know, whose NFL hopes could come down to how he finishes out the season. It was a tough loss against Missouri. If he can make some big plays here, not even win, just uh, just keep him in the game. That could be huge for him. But if it gets out of hand, of course, we switch over to North Carolina Clemson. We watch him Drake May get some of that in our system. Um, and then the primetime game, man, number five, Washington at number 12, Oregon State, who probably bumps up to 11 or 10 after last week. Michael Penix and the Huskies, they try to keep the playoff hopes alive. It's a tough place to play. That Beaver offense has been humming all year, uh, especially the past couple of weeks. And this is their highest ranking since they had Sean Mannion and Brandon Cooks. Uh, this should be an awesome game. And that's that's it for college. Um, not a lot of rank versus rank this week, but some pretty big playoff implications here. Last thing, our bets, layups, bold predictions, we went three for four last week. Uh, I guess that's a compliment to Skyler there. Uh, but layups, I had the Raiders plus one and a half versus the Jets. Likely that worked out for me, and I got a green. Skyler had Kansas minus three and a half versus Texas Tech. That did not happen, unfortunately. Kansas quarterback hurt in the first quarter. They lost 13 to 10. Oof. Close, but no. Uh, this week, I have Pittsburgh versus Cleveland under 36.5. It's going to be an ugly one in Cleveland. I wouldn't be shocked if this is like a 10 to 9 or 10 to 11 type game. Yeah. I'm going to go with some college football again here with the layup, uh, even though it didn't work this week. We got number 11, Louisville. They're one-point dogs on the road at Miami. Miami plays everybody tough. They played Florida State tough, but they also are poorly coached. Um, Louisville with uh, with Jack Plummer. His dad, of course, played for the Broncos. He's been pretty good over his career. And this is his last ride. I think they're going to finish strong, and uh, they're going to stay at whatever record it would be, 11-1, and one, when they play Florida State in the championship game. All prediction last week. I got mine right. It was Houston... Rockets over the Los Angeles Lakers on Wednesday. That was a game that the Rockets just destroyed the Lakers. That was awesome to see. Skyler had Rutgers over Iowa. I don't even want to know. I don't watch that game. It was like three and and a half, and they got smacked. (laughs) I will never watch a Rutgers versus Iowa game in my life, I don't think. This week, I have the Vikings over Denver on Sunday night football, man. Josh Dobbs, the legend grows in the mile high city. I, I like where your head's at. I got a similar idea here going with the NFC over the AFC. Arizona Cardinals are going to win at Houston. We saw Houston play down to a couple opponents already this year, Carolina, um, Arizona with the elite quarterback, Kyler Murray looks like he hasn't missed a beat, man. So I'm going to take the risk because I trust Kyler more than some of these other options I have for, uh, for bold predictions. Much as I hate your pick, Skyler, because I'm yeah. riding high on riding high on Houston. I, I I think that's a solid one. So thank you. I'll give you the kudos there. I'll see how it goes. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that being said, 
that is the end of episode 166. Next week, same NFL stuff. Uh, and then yeah. we got to find something else to do. I do have some closing stuff. remarks for this episode. Um, this is most likely going to be the last time that we are going to be fans of the Oakland A's. Uh, the rumors uh, moving to Vegas are looking more and more likely, uh, even though all the Oakland guys have been doing the best they can. So I, I just thought we would, uh, you know, at least mention it. And this is probably the last podcast episode that will be in Oakland. I think we're still playing in Oakland. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Thank uh, you. But you know, with the with the voting, yeah, that's been something that I, uh, I guess I'll say my words about it. Yeah. I think it's something that AIDS fans have been very reluctant to realize that hey, this this is the end coming so what i recommend regardless if you hate the owner or not if you want to enjoy your last few times at the coliseum go to a's games next year experience it take it all in regardless if we suck or not because that is one of the most historical venues in america of sports regardless of baseball regardless of football regardless of the concerts that have been there regardless of what whatever has taken place in that stadium there's been some of the craziest and most impactful sporting and concert events over this last, you know, 50 to 60 years. So go to the Coliseum next year. Enjoy it. Whether it sucks or not, I don't care. You need to go. If you hate them or not, the uh, boycott game last year was the loudest baseball game I've ever been to in my life. I've been to A's playoff games, been to Fenway, Yankee Stadium, Citizens Bank. City Field, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I hope, I know that it's not going to be like that anymore, probably ever. But if we could get uh, something similar going this year where we can get a, a packed house for, uh, you know, a, if a team like Tampa, if like Baltimore comes to town on a on a Tuesday night, get that place rocking again. Yes, well, definitely. Uh, I know it's not pretty, but it's uh, it's something last year that I – made note of obviously being at 71 yeah. of our 82 80 home games where i would just i was there and i was there was moments where i'd be the only person there and you look out on the field and you kind of just go okay just taking it mentally because you know you have to be able to see that for the majority of the rest of your life so I know it was kind of, you know, you, you weren't prepared for this at all, Kyle, but I was just thinking this as we were going, like, damn, you know, uh, the next time we talk about the A's, we could be referring to, uh, you know, different city. I know it's a lot of hopeful fans trying to be like, oh, it's not over. Maybe the owners won't pass the vote. It's always going to be unanimous. It's not something that you think is going to work out. This is going to happen. The A's are going to move. Whether your brain wants to tell you that or not, listen to what I'm saying. The A's are going to move. So take it in when you have a chance, please. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, that was fun. Other than, the, you know, the sadness of our team leaving. Um, but you've been through this before. My favorite football team is about, uh, you know, seven hour plane ride away. Um, we've been through some of this. It's just sad. For sure. But we will be back better than ever next week. Don't get it twisted. 167 next week. And uh, we're going to find out 
there's any more frauds in the NFC. We're going to find out who in the AFC is legit and who's just going to be, you know, bundled together in the middle at 500. We'll see you guys next week. Go A's, man. Go A's. Okay.